a village, ladies, to raise your children. Um, if you don't have a village, you, you need one. Um, and if you need advice, man, does she have advice and resources and books. She will give you books if you ask her. We love you, Sister Powell. To my own mom, happy Mother's Day, Mom. I literally would not be here today if it weren't for you, so I thank you for that and for so much more. Your love and prayers have sustained me throughout the years, and I fear thinking where I would be without them. I'm thankful we get to live blocks from each other, and we get to see each other often. You would drop anything to help me and my children, and it means the world to me and to us. We honor you today. Happy Mother's Day. To my kids, who most of them are in Sunday school, but some of them did, uh, did choose to sit in here this morning, I love each of you dearly. You being mom, mama, mommy, bruh, um, sometimes if you have teenagers, sometimes you are that to your kids. Um, being those things is my greatest joy. I love each of you to infinity and beyond. Keep living for Jesus. This world needs your lights. Um, let them shine bright. So I typically am not the Kirkpatrick that you see standing here on a typical Sunday morning. Um, Lucas, I know you are watching. Thank you for always being so good to me, not only on Mother's Day, but every day. Um, we had kind of a big week this week, him and I. Um, we celebrated 14 years of marriage on Tuesday, and all the way from Puerto Rico, he did not miss a beat. I got the most beautiful flowers delivered to my job, dinner delivered with some help from my parents, um, and this morning, he helped the kids make sure that I was taken care of. Raising kids with you is amazing. We make a pretty good team. I know you're watching. You're my biggest supporter. I love you. Please come home. <laughs> um, Bishop has asked me for several years now to speak on Mother's Day, and I typically have said no or shied away from it. Um, being up here is kind of scary, you guys. Um, I've been worried about this 40-minute time frame all week. Um, 40 minutes has haunted me in my sleep, but I truly believe that God has laid something on my heart and I want to be willing to share with all of you. So Bishop, thank you for pushing me out of my comfort zone. Staying inside comfort zones is so much easier than being pushed out of them. But when we're not pushed out of them, we do not grow. And so I thank you for that. This morning, I have two scriptures that I would like to read. If we could turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 6, verse 18. Uh, Genesis is a pretty easy chapter to find in the book. Um, <laughs> sword drillers loved when we heard Genesis or Revelation, Psalms, Proverbs, the ones that we knew were uh, very quick and easy to find. But Genesis chapter 6, verse 18, I'm reading from the Jesus-centered Bible this morning. It says, but I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. The Bible quiz coach inside of me reads these verses differently in my head as we are trained to identify pronouns. As a senior quizzer, I would read this as I, referring to God, will confirm my covenant with you, referring to Noah. Um, and then dropping down to chapter 7, so Genesis 7, verse 7, it simply says, He went on board the boat to escape the flood, he and his wife and his sons and their wives. 
We are all very familiar with the story of Noah's Ark. It is a staple in our Sunday school classrooms. So many fun lessons and activities and crafts. And our focus is generally, typically, Noah. We talk a lot about Noah. And rainbows and promises and God's promise to never destroy the earth by a flood again. But this morning, I want to focus on a different character in this story, the unnamed woman, Noah's wife. God, we thank you for your word. I thank you for your promises. I thank you for every person that is sitting in here today. May we never take for granted coming to church and being in your presence, and may we always live change, leave changed. Touch every heart, God. Clear our thoughts and our minds. Take away all distractions and help me to speak what you have given to me. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Noah's wife, no-named Mrs. Noah. The Bible doesn't really give us a lot of information about her. Uh, doesn't write a lot about her at all. In fact, she is mentioned in only five verses of the entire book, the entire Bible. But this doesn't mean that we don't know a lot about her. Last night, we were eating dinner at the house, and I was talking to the kids, and they knew I was speaking today, and Avery had asked, um, what are you talking about tomorrow, Mom? Um, uh, when I mentioned that I was talking about Noah's wife and how we don't know her name, London, um, was a little bit bothered by that. Why? Why do we not know her name? Why don't we know her name? Her suggestion to me at the end of that conversation was, I think you need to ask Siri. Siri, Siri definitely knows her name. <laughs> um, kids, they are, they are a lot of fun. I, I love them. Um, do we know how old she was even? Well, the Bible does tell us that Noah was 500 years old when he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. I suppose that means we could guess that his wife was around the same age, even if she was a bit younger than him. She could have been anywhere from 400 to 600 years old while she was having babies and helping her husband build an ark. The website for the Ark Encounter made me laugh when it says, and I quote, she probably aged quite a bit better and was quite a bit more active and fit compared to our standards. Um, yes. Not, not probably, but definitely. I'm going to say definitely. I'm sure many of us in our current ages would not be building boats for the length of time that they built theirs. So I want to take you back to the book of Genesis. Imagine with me, your husband has worked all day. He's come home, and you're having conversation. Honey, the Lord, he has told me to build an ark. I'm sorry, an ark? What is an ark? <laughs> um, she did not know what an ark was. I'm not sure Noah even fully understood or knew what an ark was when the Lord told him, I want you to build an ark. He continues on, the Lord told me to build an ark, a big box, because he is going to flood the earth with rainwaters. Everything on the earth is going to die. Excuse me? Rain? What is rain? Oh, and it gets better. We are going to put a pair of every kind of animal on this big box of an ark with us. You, me, the animals, 
the boys, and their wives. I can only imagine her response to that. Maybe she loved animals. Maybe she thought this was going to be a great adventure, a whole year in a big box with thousands of animals. Um, or maybe she laughed, or if she's anything like me, she might have cried. Um, I don't like outside. I don't like animals. Um, I would have cried. Uh, maybe she asked him, are you certain this is what Noah, this is what God told you, Noah? Um, or maybe, Noah, I'm going to need you to ask him again. <laughs> is this really what he was telling you? Um, I think if I, were, if I were her, I would have even have, had wondered, God, can you share this with me too? Because I'm having a little bit of a struggle with this. We do know that Noah was a righteous man and that he was in close fellowship with God. We can only assume that Noah's wife was no stranger to God either. But an ark and rain and animals? Not anything she had ever heard before. But Noah's wife then did what she knew she had to do. She was a woman of faith and righteousness. How do we know this? Well, the Bible never says Noah's wife was a woman of faith and righteousness. It never says anything about her except to just mention her as thy wife, Noah's wife. How do we know? How do we know these things? We know because she got on the boat. She got on the boat. She was submitted to her husband. She was committed to her family. And most importantly, she trusted the Lord. It's not always easy trusting the Lord um, with everything in life. I think we all have our moments of doubting. Um, even people in the Bible had moments of doubting. Earlier this week, I had a situation. I'll share a little testimony with you. Um, I had a moment of doubt for me and for what God had for his plan for my life. Um, I work at for Elkhorn Public Schools, and I am a teacher's assistant there, and I've had my eye on a new position for a little while, and um, a secretary position came up open this week for one of our buildings, and I decided to apply for it. The position is one that starts every year on July 25th. Well, as many of you know, we are a Bible quizzing family, and every year on July 25th, I am not in Omaha. I am at Nationals watching my kids quiz, um, and it's a lot of fun. So I found, I found myself doubting. I found myself thinking, man, these other people that are going to apply, they, they are going to be available on July 25th. Of course they're going to pick them. Why would they pick me? And I, I, I even felt myself feeling discouraged about it. But as I was driving one day, I almost felt quickened in my spirit. Um, I felt a little nudge that just said, dates? You're worried about dates? <laughs> like, dates are not too big for me. Okay, God, I will, I will trust you. Um, I went to this job interview on Wednesday, and on Thursday morning they called me. I was offered the job. I'm very excited for next year. Um, I will no longer be in elementary school, but I will be an admin assistant at the middle school, and I'm really excited. It's going to be fun. But back to Noah's wife. She trusted in the Lord. How do we know she trusted in the Lord? Again, because she got on the boat. 
Scripture tells us that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I, I can't believe that it was just Noah, but that that included his family, his family, his wife, his, his three boys, that they found favor in the eyes of the Lord. She had raised three boys, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. Um, boys, they, they are fun. They are full of energy. Um, growing up, it was just my sister and I. We weren't around many boys. Um, she had the first boy in our family, little, little Aiden, who we called Mowgli growing up um, because he was a climber. Um, he was busy. He was a little ball of energy that, that never stopped. And um, I remember thinking, man, he is exhausting. And then the Lord blessed me with two boys of my own, and I, I can confirm that they never stop going. They, they go nonstop. They wake up ready to take on the world um, every day. Noah's wife must have raised her boys to know, to serve, and to trust God. In between the busyness of life and keeping her home, I can see her telling them the stories of their ancestors, of Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. I can, I can see her teaching them about the consequences of disobeying God and, and in contrast, the safety in keeping his word and, and obeying him and, and what safety that brings us. At some point, she was raising her boys in a world that she knew was doomed for destruction. Um, how do we know that she did this well? How do we know she raised her boys well? Genesis chapter 7, verse 7 tells us, He went on board to escape the flood, he and his wife and his sons and their wives. Her boys, the boys that she had raised in her home and their wives, they got on that boat. She raised her kids to get on the boat. Moms, our primary goal in raising our kids is to ensure that they are getting on the boat. More than anything else we want for them, this should be our top priority. What is our boat? What is our boat today? Where is our boat? Our boat does not look like Noah's boat, thankfully. <laughs> We are not getting on a boat with all the animals. But salvation is our boat. Being filled with the Holy Ghost, being baptized, living lives according to his will, falling in love with his truth and his doctrines, living a life separated from the world, being in this world but not of this world, keeping God the highest priority in our lives, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, hearing at the end of our life, well done, thou good and faithful servant. This is our boat. We must get our kids on the boat. The church, the church is our boat. Once Noah's family got on the boat, I, I'm sure life wasn't totally perfect and easy for them. I imagine it was hard. I imagine it was smelly. I imagine it was rocky at times. I imagine there was a lot of work that had to be done. There were jobs that needed to be done. Um, I have to believe that it wasn't just Noah doing that work, that they were, they were all a part of that. They were all needed in that body on the ark. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 tells us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. It can be easy to feel frustrated at the church. The church is not perfect. The ark was not perfect, neither is the church, but that ark was their safety. It was their protection from the destruction all around them. When problems arise, when life doesn't go the way we want, when we go through struggles and stresses and trials, is, it is easy to think, why? Why am I going through these things, God? I'm doing everything the right way. It can be easy to want to give up, but it is at church where we hear preaching. It is at church where we receive pastoring and teaching it is at church where we worship together and are encouraged together, where we build each other up, where we teach our kids how to worship, how to pray, how to grab a hold of this treasure and never let go. My heart, life, to watch these kids flood these altars week after week and worship, it's beautiful. Kids, don't stop worshiping. Moms, don't stop teaching your kids the importance of worshiping the, the king of kings. We may think, I'm tired this week. I need a break. One service here, one service there is not really a big deal. But moms, parents, think of your kids. Bring them weekly to this boat. Get them here. Let them see you fall in love with this. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12 tells us that the ministry was given for the perfecting of the saints and for the edifying of the body of Christ. You cannot get this unless you assemble together. Our kids cannot get this unless we are bringing them to the boat. Time flies, moms. It isn't slowing down. My, I look in the blink of an eye. My daughter has turned 16 years old. I don't know where the time has gone. Get your kids on the boat. Noah's Ark, it had one door, one window, and three floors with exact dimensions. God was very specific with what he wanted. Noah couldn't just go out and start building it anyway or anyhow. Um, he couldn't just wing it. He, he, pro he didn't even know what he was doing when he started. He just trusted God. God told me to do this. And I'm going to do it. Genesis 6.22 in the New Living Translation says, So Noah did everything exactly as God commanded him. Exactly as God commanded him. How much easier our lives would be if we did exactly as God commanded us. Physically, we cannot rebuild our homes. Um, but spiritually, we can build a home, not just a house, but a home centered around Jesus. Living for God can't be done any way we want. God has details. God is in the details. He has guidelines and principles that he has so specifically laid out for us in his word. God cares about how we talk. He cares about how we act, how we treat people, how we love. Our homes must be filled with love. 
It cannot be abusive love, but God's love. We, parents, moms, parents, we are the example of Jesus' love to our children. You want your kids to love Jesus? Start by loving them. Treat them right. Parenting, it is, it is not always easy. Um, I told the ladies in Bible study last week, um, I read this thing on Facebook. Um, parenting it is like a walk in the park, Jurassic Park. Um, it, it, it is not always easy. Um, I have five kids. I tell people all the time there are a lot of us. Um, it is not always calm, cool, and collective at the Kirkpatrick home. Um, but it is our job, moms, to love our children and to love others. Let's love others in front of our kids the way that he would want us to love. They need to see us loving others. And, and let's love our kids the way he wants us to love them, the way he loves them. God told Noah to make this ark of gopher wood and pitch it within and without with pitch. Noah and most likely his family, they used tar to waterproof the ark for protection. How are we protecting our homes? Of course, we have the Holy Ghost, but how do we keep and sustain that? We need to cover our homes in prayer. We must cover our homes in prayer. We need to make our homes the house of God. We cannot treat our homes differently than we do the church. We cannot have a separate rule for at home than at church. How confusing to our kids. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We must be building an ark of safety at home to save our families from the destruction of this world. It is not just enough to love and to pray if you're going to let the world into your home. The ark was built to keep the waters out. If Noah and his wife had opened the door to the floodwaters, they would have been destroyed. If we open our home to the ideologies and teachings of this world, Hollywood and the trash that it brings, the agendas that are being pushed against us, we will be destroyed. Our kids will be destroyed. We must not allow the floodwaters of this world into our homes. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. It's a song we've sang in Sunday school. I, I learned it 35 years ago how true those words are. Pitch your home. Pitch your home and protect your home. Cover your homes with prayer. We are called to be different. We are called to be different. We should be reminding our kids we are in this world, but we are not of this world. We are children of the king. We are not like others. We are not here to just be different. We are not here to be weird, although sometimes people think we're weird. It's okay to be weird for Jesus. <laughs> but, but we cannot and will not 
compromise God's rules and biblical teachings just because they don't match society's teachings. We must teach our kids and remind them, a man is a man, a woman is a woman. Society would like you to think otherwise. They would like our kids to think otherwise. I work in the public schools and thankfully, Elkhorn is a pretty conservative district, but you see at such young ages, first graders and second graders that are confused about their, their identity and, and whether they're a boy or a girl, that is not of God. We must teach our children, you are who God made you. You are who God made you. If you cannot find it in the word, don't teach it to your kids. It matters what teachings you embrace. Embrace biblical ones. Ensure that your kids are embracing biblical ones. Teach them the whys. Don't just teach them and tell them. Teach them why. Why we do what we do. Why we believe how we believe. We are pouring into our kids every day. We are teaching them this doctrine, this truth. We are wanting to help them establish roots. When we are done with them in our homes, we want them to have established these things for themselves. Colossians 2.7 says, Rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught. We are teaching them, moms. We are living this life day in and day out in front of them. Uh, in our ladies' Bible study this past week, we watched a video, and I loved something she said at, at the end. She capitalized it on the end. She gave us these five words, five words to help establish a Christ-centered home. Exalt. Number one was exalt. Exalt God every day in your words and your actions. Number two, example. Be an example. Example Christ-like behavior. Be faithful and biblical in all things. Number three, encourage. Encourage faithfulness and every aspect of Christian living. Educate. Teach Bible studies and principles. We cannot solely rely on the church. We cannot solely rely on Sunday school teachers, on the youth team, the Sunday school team, the pastor. We have our kids far more than the one week an hour that they do. Um, it is our job to be teaching them at home. Keep feeding kids the word. Keep giving them the word. They will fall in love with it and, and learn to want to eat it on their own. And, and five was establish. Establish godly values and routines. How important that is. Our world is getting more wicked by each passing day. Our world, just like Noah's world, is doomed for destruction. Moms, we are raising our kids in a world that we know is doomed for destruction. Are we learning from Noah's wife? Are we teaching our kids? Are we ensuring that our kids are on the boat? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, 
And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt walk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine head, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy gates." Every day when we send our kids into this world, we should be covering them in prayer and reminding them who they are. Pray for their minds, that they would earnestly seek wisdom and understanding, that they would value knowledge and discernment, that their thoughts would stay centered on the truth of God's word, that fear, anxiety, and depression have no place with them. Pray for their eyes. God, guard their eyes. Protect their innocence. Pray that they would focus their attention on what is right. Pray for their ears. Pray that they would be quick to hear and that they would incline their ears to listen to instruction. Pray for their mouth. Psalms 34, 13 says, keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Pray that all their words would be pleasing to him and edifying to others. Pray for their hearts. God, give them a happy, cheerful heart. Pray that they would come to the faith early and trust easily and completely in him. Pray for their hands. God, keep them diligent in their works. Keep their hands from being idle. Bless, confirm, establish the work of their hands. We live in a world, God, where they hold phones. Keep their hands pure on these devices. Pray for their legs, that they would walk in step, not in step with the wicked, not stand in the way of sinners, but that they would find wise and godly companions along life's journey. Pray for their feet, direct, order, establish their steps. Help them to stand fast and protect them from stumbling. Pray for their friends. God, surround them with godly friends. Help them find friends that, that will help them on their path. Teach your kids to pray themselves. Teach them to pray on the armor of God. We, we pray it on them, yes. But, but as they grow, they need to pray it on themselves as well. Teach them that they, they're going to need this armor to cover them from head to toe to stand against the devil and his ways. Their loins girt about with truth. Having the breastplate of righteousness, their feet shod with the preparation of peace. The shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always. Live for Jesus. My mom called this out the window every day when she dropped me off for school. It never failed. Every day. Live for Jesus. Um, I will tell you, at times, I, I rolled my eyes and walked away, you know, a little embarrassed. I didn't always appreciate it then, but now, thank you, mom. Thank you for living your life to ensure that I was on the boat, for dragging me to the boat when I didn't want to be there, for continuing to believe that I would make my way back to the boat when I decided that this boat was not for me, for standing in the gap for me. This is our jobs, moms. It's our jobs to get our kids on the boat. How many moms didn't do this in Noah's time? How many moms watched this boat being built year after year, day after day? How many moms hushed their kids when they begin to question, Mom, what if this is true? What if we should be helping Noah and his family? What if we should be getting on the boat with him? Shh, stop. 
He's crazy. Noah's crazy. This is what they dealt with. How many conversations did the eight of them on the boat have? Pleading, begging, this is real. Come with us. Help us. They wanted them on the boat. They tried. How eerie were the sounds of banging and knocking once the rain started. How much more eerie when that knocking stopped. When they could no longer hear the sounds of their friends, their families calling for help, begging them to open the door. Did they want to open the door? I'm sure they did. Please, Noah, really quick, it'll be fine. Let's just open it and let them in. No, God shut the door. How many mamas, when the rain started, looked at their children in devastation, realizing, I dropped the ball. I didn't heed the warnings. I didn't listen. Don't wait, moms. Don't wait until it is too late. Now is the time. Get your kids on the boat. We live in a world where getting our kids on the boat, it's, it's so easy. Bring them to church. A couple weeks ago, a missionary came through that is called to an access challenge nation. I was so convicted as I sat in my seat over there hearing him speak of things like underground churches, people meeting in houses, people getting thrown in jail because they have a Bible or they were found to be a believer of Jesus. How easy is it here in America? We are so blessed with religious freedom. Get your kids on the boat. It is Mother's Day and I am speaking to mothers today. But this applies to more than just mothers. Our job as Christians is to take as many people as we can to heaven with us, to share this gospel from the east to the west, to get as many people on the boat with us as we can. Are we doing that? Am I doing that? Five verses. Noah's wife, the unnamed woman, she's mentioned in five verses. Not a lot is written about Noah's wife, but we know that her kids made it. We know that when no one else around them got on the boat, they did. Her sons ensured that their wives were on the boat as well. Her teachings ensured that. Her praying ensured that. Her trusting in the Lord and being submissive to her husband ensured that. Her obedience ensured that. She fulfilled the greatest role in life of being a mom. She saw her kids through the doom and destruction of the world. She could truly say, I have no greater joy than to know that my kids walk in truth. Can we all just close our eyes for a moment? God, help me. Help us. Help us fulfill this mission of motherhood and bring our kids with us. I want my kids with me on the boat. I want to bring as many people with me as I can. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Praise God. I wonder if we could just take a moment and let that sink into our spirits, that God would, would just touch our hearts right now. We've got neighbors. We've got friends. We've got relatives. We've got coworkers. Amen. Do you know somebody you can pray for right now? Can we just take a moment together and ask God to let that message sink to our hearts? Jesus, you're coming again soon. 
and we want to be ready. And we want to take many with us, Lord, as many as we can. Lord, help us to plant and water that you might give the increase, Lord. Help us to be sensitive to the leading of your Spirit, that opportunities would arise for us to go and minister to those who are in need, Lord, and to help them to get on the boat, the boat of your salvation. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. One day, I imagine we'll meet Noah's wife, get to know her name. And I've often wondered why she's unnamed. I'm kind of like your daughter, Lulu. I'm wondering, why didn't God name her, you know? Um, there's a couple other women that are unnamed too. The, in fact, we don't even know if there's a woman in the prodigal son story. I'm assuming there's a mother. I would have to believe there's a mother, but <clears throat> you know, there's no scripture that says there was. But uh, if she existed, I'm quite certain she had a burden for her prodigal son. Rufus's mom in Romans 16 and 13 is an unnamed mother. But what's interesting about Rufus's mom is that when Paul says, salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, that means elect, elect in the Lord, and his mother and mine, he's actually saying that Rufus's mom had been a mother to him. That her actions and her life had encouraged him. Ironically, Paul never mentions his mother in Scripture that I can tell. And yet here is this woman, unnamed, who not only influenced her son, and he's in the church, and he's active, and he's living for God, but she also had an impact on the life of Paul. So I, I want to just kind of put the ending on this of what Sister Alicia shared, and I, I've been blessed today by this word and that is this. Yes, you can affect those in your direct influence, moms, dads, your home. But we can all affect others. And you may not know who you're influencing. You may be a mom to someone else. You might be influencing someone else and encouraging them. And what if you are? I poss it's possible eternity uh, may not be the place until we get there that we know the influence that we've had on others. Amen. And so be mindful of that today. Let's stand together. Sister Alicia, thank you um, for ministering today and, and sharing your heart. Amen. I, I, I mean that. It was a heartfelt thing. She, she came to me and asked a couple questions uh, last week, and I just kind of answered them, gave her, she looked, was looking for a book, and, and uh, she de definitely did some uh, prayer and study in this word today. And I'm, I'm leaving here blessed today. And I know you are too. Invite you to be back uh, at 1120 as we begin our second half. Greet one another, bless one another, and to all of our moms, happy Mother's Day. <laughs>